Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our life. We ask that you just please just reshape our lives, Lord God. Reshape everything in our hearts and in our life that has been broken and shattered. And allow us to live in fulfillment of you, God. Allow us to walk in peace, God. Let us be attracted to the peace that you give us. Let us crave your peace, God. Let us crave your word and be attached to you, God. Attach us to you, Lord God. Let us be attached to your Holy Spirit, attached to your plan, attached to your will, attached to your purpose, God. Let our ears crave to hear you, God, and to only follow your voice. So God, right now, we just ask that you please allow us to just receive your word today, God. Allow us to be able to be doers of your word and not just hearers of your word. God, do not allow us to be impacted by the things of this world in a way where it negatively impacts us. Father God, you have gifted us with your Holy Spirit. So allow us to use the power that is within us, the power that the Holy Spirit gives us to be able to live a life of abundance. No matter what is happening in our life, God, no matter what adversity, what problem, what situation, what concern, whatever it is, God, let us overcome it through the power of your blood. Thank you, God, for dying on the cross for us so that our problems is taken care of because of you, God. Do not allow the things that we've endured or experienced in our life to overthrow us or overpower us because we have your spirit. And so we thank you right now, God, for just being in our life and just allowing us to receive your word. God, we ask that you just please fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Quicken us with your Holy Spirit. Let us receive whatever whatever part that applies to our life and your word, God. Let us, let us grow and be mature in that area. And let us improve in areas that we are weak in. God, you say in your word that your power is made perfect in our weakness. So God, allow us to just be strong through you. Let us overcome any doubt or unbelief that we have in any area of our life, God. Allow us to depend on you, God, because you are trustworthy. No matter what, God, we trust you. And so we thank you right now, God, for just giving us your word. Thank you for tuning your ears to hear our voice. And so we just ask that you just please allow your word to resonate in our hearts, God. Uproot all the things that's inside of us that you did not put in our hearts, God. Uproot it out and remove it. Sever it from our lives, God. Allow us to live a life that is that is favorable in your sight. So replace all the things that is disobedient to you that is inside of us. Replace those things with those things that are obedient, that is favorable to you, God. But most importantly, God, please allow your will to be done. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, for just, you know, filling me up. And I just pray that you allow me to speak the word today with authority and allow me to speak in a way where it's edifying to those that are listening. Let me provide hope through the word of God to those that are hopeless or are filled with despair. God, let me plant and water the seeds that's needed so that you can grow it in their lives. And God, I just thank you right now. Thank you for using me. And I just pray that you allow us to be more like you. Let our heart be more like you. Our minds be more like you, God. 
Let our giving be more like you, God. Let our conversations be more like you, God. We want to be more like you, God. So continue to inspire us through your word. Give us encouragement through your word, God. And let us overcome all things. For greater is the Holy Spirit that is inside of us than the spirit that is in this world. And so, God, when we go in this world, let us dominate through the power of your Holy Spirit. Let us influence each and every person that we come in contact with. And let us dominate through the power of your Holy Spirit. So we thank you right now, God. We give you glory, praise, and honor. But most importantly, we ask that you please allow your will to be done in our life. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your common blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Laws, Life, and Health. Let's talk about it. Um, I am talking about women's health. The past couple of months, this has been a trending topic. I'm almost wrapping it up. Hopefully sometime this week, um, I will be wrapping up the women's health um, podcast. But I wanted to talk about, um, just to clarify some things that I was talking about yesterday. So I spoke about, you know, um, you being able to overcome some of the problems that you're dealing with and how how we all should just keep going how we need to keep pushing and looking forward to what god has planned and what god has in store for us right so we can't really ponder too much on the problem because the problem will leave you stagnated and you don't want to have stagnation in your life so that's stagnation versus growth that's you know you don't want those things to happen in your life you don't want to be at a standstill See, it's okay if God is is having you be still. That's a difference. That that's a difference between God having you at a standstill and you just being at a at a standstill, not doing anything with yourself. See, God is preparing you for what's to come. So it's important for you to get prepared. It's a process. God sets all of these provisions in place for you to have adaptability to before you even reach that situation or that circumstance. God is already preparing you for it. And so this is this is it right here, okay? Let me just get right into the word. All right, so let me go to... Let's see. I'm going to um, share my screen. But before I share my screen, I just wanted to go over a few housekeeping rules. So if you have any questions, please go ahead and put them in the Q&A on the, um, if you're joining me via Zoom webinar. If you are on any of the audio apps like Podbeam, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, any of these apps, go ahead and put your comments in the comments section and I'll be sure to respond to you there. Okay. And also, if you wanted to suggest the topic at all, please send me an email directly at Deanna Watson at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. If you needed prayer or anything like that, send your prayer request to Lost Life Health at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. All right. And if you wanted to become an intern or if you needed, like, if you have a mandate for court, and so they are mandating you to do community service. If you wanted to complete your community service with me or with my organization, Sudden Changes Corporation, you can. Or if you wanted to become an intern or an author where you wanted to be to write some um, articles or blogs, please send that email to info at suddenchangescorporation.org. Okay. All right. So let me just dive right into the word today. Okay, let me share my screen. 
Okay, so before I get started, when I posted the podcast tonight, I saw that uh, Elon Musk, he had posted something here on Musk University uh, quotes. And I wanted to read it because it was, I guess it's a part of like how you deal with negative things because that's what I'm going to be talking about today. How you overcome negative negativity, right? How do you look at negativity as a um, way to be beneficial in your life? So too many times there is a negative stigma that is surrounding negative things, right? But when you think about failure, if you look at failure as an opportunity, it creates success for you. It can only equate to success. If you keep trying and you, but I'm not going to say keep trying because trying really doesn't um, equate to anything. Trying never accomplished nothing. Okay. So I really don't like using the word trying because when you try to do something, it never accomplishes anything. So trying is just an effort that, that doesn't bring about success, right? Um, it matters about the failures and the success. Those are the two things that's important. And, and here's why I say that. So when you're having these failures, the, the first time you make a mistake in the is failure the second time you do it, you aren't probably going to do it the exact same way because you're going to probably learn that, okay, well, I don't want to, you know, do it the exact same way, but you might do it the same way, maybe the first one, two or three, four times. But after the five, six and seven time, it's like, no, you, you're, you're doing something different, but you're still working on the same type of project, maybe um you know readjusting your attitude level or you know building a new network or analyze new avenues to invest you know but it isn't going to be the same because failure teaches you what not to do right and it also teaches you what you can do so yes you are going to have these failures but it doesn't mean that you are a failure it just simply means that you have to try, you have to, you have to, um, you have to implement strategies in a different way in order to be successful in that area. So I was looking here, um, right when I posted my, uh, podcast for tonight and he says here on Must University quotes, if you scare people enough, they will demand removal of freedom. This is the path to, to tyranny. So I want to look up the definition of tyranny. Uh, tyranny is unjust or oppressive governmental power. Oppressive a government power. Um, a government. The second definition is a government in which a single ruler is vested with absolute power. The office, authority, or jurisdiction of an absolute ruler. Um, that sounds similar to like a dictator. Um. Hold on one sec. Okay, so that's similar to like a dictator. So a dictator is going to basically cause people to be oppressed or um, oppressors 
to always feel like they are in authority. But how do we as a society move forward beyond that? Okay. So like, I want to go back. I, I feel like this, this quote is so interesting. All right. Some of the things that Elon Musk says is quite fascinating. I would say, um, I don't know. I, I have a lot of, I guess sometimes I have constructive reviews uh, regarding him, but then I, I believe that he's just so, such a motivating type of person. There's no way to be around him and not, you know, get inspired. That's what I believe. Um, so just because a person doesn't specifically agree or uh, do this, the things that you agree with doesn't mean that they are not credible, right? So if I'm not a Buddhist, that doesn't mean that the things, the positive things that some Buddhists say um, are negative. You know, people can be positive just because they have a different spiritual belief doesn't equate to them being, you know, un not credible. So um, we have to be able to push through certain things and analyze um we need to analyze from a different perspective, not our own perspective. We have to look at people through God's eyes. Okay. And I, I really want, I, maybe I should focus on that tonight. I had a different approach that I wanted to take, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm thinking about focusing on seeing things through God's eyes and hearing through God's ears. And the reason why this is so important it's because as soon as someone says something that you disagree with, it's like, oh, no, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it doesn't matter about the expert level, the expertise a person have. It doesn't matter how many years they went to school, how long they practiced something. Most of the time, when we disagree with things, some people, we automatically reject it. But when we have God in our hearts and God is the one that is our driving force, he is our navigation system. Guess what? We're going to be analyzing things totally different than how we perceive it ourselves. So we need to be looking at life in a way where we perceiving everything through the eyes and lens of God. And we are hearing everything through the ears of God. Because guess what? We are to be like God. We are not God. We are like God. Meaning that we have his attributes. So let's let's get me into these some of these scriptures today. Because see, I'm driven by the word of God. Not my opinion. Alright? So let's get in the word. I wanted to go to um so God created God created man um in his image. But I want to talk about also understanding. So um um they do not perceive and they do not understand. Yeah, um okay. All right, so we want to go to Genesis chapter 1 and 27. And then we're also going to go to um, Mark 4 and 12, Matthew 13 and uh, 14. And then we can also go to Isaiah 6 and 9. 
Okay, so let's get started. So in Genesis 1 and 27, it says, so God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So I really would like to just look at the entire, um, let me look at the, I'm going to go to Genesis, the entire chapter one. Okay. And, um, I'm going to look at the verse before that. And I'm also look at the verse after. So that is, um, so let's look, let's start at verse 26. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. And if you have a question, please just raise your hand so I can see you. Okay. Um, so in verse 26, it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So I would like to look this up through the Strong's Concordance, okay? Um, but before I get to the Strong's Concordance, let me go. We have to look at it from the King James Bible. So I'm going to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, 26, but I'm going to look at it. I um I want to look at it from um the King James Bible. And so we see in verse 26 it says and God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. See this is the first authority that God is giving man. And it says here in verse 26, let us see when it refers to us, you have to understand who us is. So let's, 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 we're going to do like a deep dive and hopefully I have enough time because I have an interesting discussion tonight. Okay. So, um, let me, let me get there. So I want to go to, um, oh, let me go to the strong concordance. So you're going to look at the word us. Okay, here we go. Um, Actually, no, I'm going to look at the word. I'm going to look at the word likeness. So we see in Genesis 1 and 26, and I'll, I'll do this study a different day. But when it talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, many times when it refers to God and us, when God says God and us, um, it is referencing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so many times people kind of overlook that verse. But look at Genesis 1 and 26. It says, let us make man in our image. So us is referring to who? The Father, which is God, the Son, which is Jesus, in the Holy Spirit. Bam! Just like that. God just gave us revelation. You know, so look. The Holy Spirit is present. Jesus is present. God is present. So when it says us, that's what it refers to. It's referring to the Trinity. So even though the, the Bible doesn't actually mention the, the Holy Trinity, it talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when we, when we look at 
in John chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. And also it says in the Bible where it says the father and I are one. So Jesus and God is one. Okay. They, that means that Jesus was there in the beginning. All right. But that's a different type of podcast. That, that would be explaining the Holy Trinity. That's a long discussion. I just wanted to cover some of the basics of that. All right. But going back to this scripture here, it says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creep it upon the earth. So. When we go to the Strong's Concordance, let me explain this. So the Bible is comprised of two different testaments. One is the Old Testament, which is from the books of Genesis to the book of Malachi. That is the Hebrew scrolls. The New Testament is from the book of Matthew on to the book of Revelation. That is all written in Greek. So the way we understand the Bible, we have to understand the Hebrew scrolls and we have to understand Greek. So the way it was put together is you have all of these Hebrew scrolls that now we have in the Old Testament. And some people, they try to confuse, well, what about the Hebrew Bible? What about the Greek Bible? What about this? Listen, don't try to go on the exploration that you don't need to. We have the word of God that God has given us. All of those other things are from people that rebelled against God. So the way that you have to understand the Bible is the Roman Catholics authorized the Jews, the people who Jesus was preaching to, the ones who were supposed to abide by the law. They are the ones that killed Jesus. All right. There are two different types of Hebrews. Okay. But that's going to be a different type of discussion. I've talked about that. In previous podcasts. So just go back and listen to some of my podcasts. Okay. But there are two different types of Hebrews. All right. A Hebrew is a Jew. All right. A Jew Israelite. They are all the same. But you have to understand something here. This is where it gets confusing to some people. The Roman Catholics have they side of the story. The religious Pharisees, which are the Jews who really practice a lot of Judaism. And it's nothing wrong with, you know, like believing in the word. Because God says we can. Let's look at what the Bible says when it talks about the religious Pharisees. So the Bible says in Matthew verse 23. And three, it says, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach. So, so we understand that the religious Pharisees are the Jews. They are Hebrew. They are the Israelites. All right. So it doesn't matter what another person will say. They, you have some Jews that say, oh, well, Jesus, his name was Joshua. Yes, his name is Joshua. 
in a different language. Understand? So if you are not a Hebrew native, you're not going to speak Hebrew. You, if you don't understand Hebrew, you're not going to speak it. So in order to understand it, you have to study it. That's why God says what? Study to show thyself a approved worker. So we study the word so we can be equipped. So when somebody asks you a question, you should be able to answer whatever question they ask. So the most important thing here is, is this. We need to analyze this one thing. That is, Jesus was crucified by the Jews. So their punishment was incredible. So, so like, let's let's look at that. Let's look at that. So, um, one second. Now I'm gonna show you. It talks about the punishment, the punishment of punishment of the religious uh, Pharisees. So you have to understand. Don't be confused. Excuse me. It says, um, if you go to the Bible to Matthew 23, and then it is in verse 35, it says, as a result, you will be held responsible for the murder of all godly people of all time, from the murder of righteous Abel to the murder of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you killed in the temple between the sanctuary and the altar. I tell you the truth, this judgment will fall on this very generation. So Jesus was talking about the um, prophets and the wise men. So the wise men were are actually in the Hebrew language are considered sorcerers. They are cunning. They are cunning with their words. They are very um, manipulating. That though that's what wise men mean in Hebrew. Okay, so I I talked about that the other day. So um I don't want to the deviate. Let's look at let's look at the word wise men really quick here. So that, that way um we can have a understanding. So wise men, it wasn't on it wasn't on this one. Um, but that's what it meant. Wise men in Hebrew, it means um sorcerer uh cunning a person like uh uh what is it a soothsayer that's what it means they a smooth like talker that's what they are and so with this verse that jesus is talking on um matthew uh 23 matthew 23 and um matthew 23 and uh what's that uh, was that one it yeah so this was it so matthew is 23 it, it talks about how jesus is criticizing some of the religious leaders so um going back to the strong concordance i'm gonna just put the word uh likeness in here again so we see that god created us in his image and um so likeness we're looking at the word likeness um and 
Before I explain this, I want to just say that so the Strong's Concordance allows us to understand the Bible in the Hebrew scrolls, which is in the Old Testament, and it also allows us to understand in the Greek. And so each word has its Strong's number or Hebrew number, and um, it gives us the definition from the Hebrew or Greek. And so sometimes a word like, for instance, like, likeness. It tells you each time this word was mentioned in the Bible, and it also gives you um, how many verses it was mentioned on. So you have the word likeness that was mentioned in the Bible 28 different times. 28 different times. It is. It has five different meanings. So we're going to be looking at specifically the one in Genesis 1.26. So when you type in the word likeness, you have to make sure that you're searching from the King James Bible. The King James Bible is the Bible that closely resembles the Hebrew scrolls and also Greek. So likeness in Genesis 1.26 is Strong's number 1823, which is Hebrew word demult. It means resemblance, concretely, model, shape, et verabili, like fashion, likeness, manner, similitude, or similitude. So this is what we should be. We need to resemble God. We have resem resemble God in a way where we have his likeness. We are uh, shaped like God. We model God. Our fashion is like God. Our manner is like God. Our attitudes are like God. So that's what that means. So let's go back to Genesis. Genesis 1, 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That means that we're going to resemble God. Our fashion going to be like God. Our attitudes. And let them have dominion. So we have power on earth, dominion over everything. The fish of the sea, that means all the sea creatures. Over the fowl of the air, that means everything flying. And over the cattle, that means every animal walking. And over all the earth, that means everything on earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that means everything crawling. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created him male and female created he them so god created all of us and some people say well oh well you know how did god create different races it was because when adam and eve were having children they were having children of different races Simple as that. That's why they, they expounded on earth. They expanded. It's not meant for us to be restricted. We are supposed to expand. But due to greed, due to um, financial greed, society has been controlled by forces spiritual forces because we have to understand that the enemy is satan period 
And I know there are a lot of people in this world that don't like to look at it like that, but that's what it is. Just because you can't see something don't mean that it's not there. A person could tell you that they love you and hate you. Just because they say they love you doesn't mean that they really show you that they love you. So understand that there are things that's hidden. There are people who appear to be one way and they are completely something else. I can tell you that to be a thousand percent sure. I'm a thousand percent sure on that. So when Elon Musk, when he was sitting here talking about, oh, if you scare people enough, they will demand removal of freedom. This is the path to tyranny. So they will demand the, the removal of freedom. So what, what he's saying is the government is getting scared. So if you scare them too much, they will remove your freedom. Okay, so that's in layman's terms. That's what Elon Musk is saying here. He's saying if you scare people enough, it, it, governments, that's what a tyranny, tyranny is, unjust, oppressive government power. He's saying... He just said it two hours ago. If you scare people enough, they will demand removal of freedom. This is the path of security. So he said, if you scare the government too much, and see that these are all things that was. So I grew up, I grew up um, kind of like supporting Democrats until I realized that Democrats actually want you to stay poor. The, the issue is, is that they keep you with a certain income, they keep you with a certain amount of resources. And if you go beyond that, then you on your own. Because you know you living in an oppressed society. So they want you to have this mindset to always feel the need to depend. So there is no free lunch. If you get the free lunch, you're giving up other freedoms. You know, you get these resources, but you're giving up other freedoms while they become rich. And this, this, this is not a uh, allegation. This is the truth. There are real evidence that shows that Nancy Pelosi, literally, her income was about two hundred thousand dollars a year, but she is getting millions and millions of dollars. millions of dollars in trade so it was suggested through media outlets that nancy pelosi was doing some insider trading nancy pelosi i believe is 82 years old by the way okay so i'm not sure how 
I, I'm, I'm just not really sure how does the existing government continue to work in a way that is inclusive for the majority of people. So when you give up some freedoms, remember you're giving up others too. You get things for when you get free stuff, you get you give up freedoms along with that. And so um it doesn't really provide quality of life because you need poor people to stay poor in order for you to help them. I'm going to say that again. Poor people need to stay poor in order for you to provide the need for their help. The cycle is a continuation of disparities, but who are getting the perks? So there is perks to keeping people poor in poverty. Remember that. Don't ever forget that. All right. So um, moving on from that. I just wanted to say what he said in layman's terms. So basically he's saying, if you scare, I'm not going to specifically say, um, but that would be that they will demand removal of freedom. So the tyrant tyranny is the government, uh, oppressive government systems. And when they become afraid, they will remove your freedom. So we are not going to live in fear. Because we had a power of God living on the inside of us, something, and do what we need to do. And so just because we see people around the world that are afraid, it doesn't mean that we're going to be afraid. Yes, we are pretty much if you grew up in a in a neighborhood where it was impoverished. It's going to take a lot for you to be afraid. Okay. Fear don't just come to you like that. Because you have endurance for those type of things. It's like, wait a minute, what? That, okay. What are they afraid of now? It's like you have to have spiritual stamina. That's what it's called. Spiritual stamina. Where's your spiritual stamina? You know, you hit me a few times. I'm, a, I'm still going to hold on. I'm not going to get knocked out. So it's like <laughs> you have to have some spiritual stamina. You have God in your heart. You don't fear. Don't fear nothing. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Period. You don't, you cannot have any control over it. So you have, we have to let God work in our life. But moving forward from that, God is created, has created us in his image and his likeness. So we are created in his image. That means that we have the power like God. We have the authority like God. We speak with confidence. We speak with authority. We walk with authority. We have dominion. We get we can't be defeated even though it might seem like it sometimes i promise it do 
The situation, it just be like, well, wait, this is in front of me. This is what I see. But see, if you allow God to, if you allow the Holy Spirit of God to let you see and perceive, see, looking at your situation, you're going to see how God is about to pull you through this situation. So we go to, um, when you look at Mark 4 and 12, it says, so that they may be ever seeing. Let, let me go to the whole chapter, the whole chapter, because I, I can't just look at that one verse. I have to look at the verse before that. Um, so I'm gonna go to Mark chapter 4, and I'm gonna look, I'm gonna start at um, I'm gonna start at verse 9. Mark 4, verse 9. So it says, then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seen, but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. So like the secret of God, the secret of the kingdom of God is given to his children that can perceive. It's given to his children they can understand. We all, each and every person in this world has been given the opportunity to perceive. Each and every person in this world has been given the opportunity to understand. Because whatever way when, whenever God is communicating with you, he never stops. But see, this is, this is like one of the main problems that like I had with like going to like a Baptist church. Now I know that we all, everybody say, well, you know, we all serve God. I mean, yeah, but we, we, we do have different principles in different churches now, just because you say you're a Christian, Christian is only in the Bible three times. So it didn't have a lot of significant value. There are a bunch of different words that's mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible and the word Christian was only mentioned three times. That's a religious Pharisee type of attitude. See, when you understand things, you're going to understand that this literature and these doctrines that are out here is meant to deceive you. You have all of these other books. You have the Roman Catholics who, who created, they got the whole, all these lost books. Why do you think they got the lost books? They are the ones who gave the authority to crucify Jesus. What? How do you think they're going to be judged? That's just common sense, spiritual common sense. 
But see, it says in the Bible that, see, my people die because of a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge is a fool. A fool that lacks common sense, that lacks spiritual wisdom and spiritual common sense. So, the Roman Catholics authorized Jesus to be crucified. Uh, of course, you got a lot of people that give an account to what they did. Who needs to hear that explanation? So now you have also these other people who were condemned worshiping idols, worshiping all these other things. So now they go about their way and now they go ahead and start creating their own God. Because they condemn. What you think? Cain didn't have offsprings. You think it just stopped at Cain. Cain was condemned. So what you think Cain taught his kids to do? You think that he taught them to believe in God? See, I don't get into the, in the depths of that. Because that's considered eisegesis. And that's not the way we practice the word of God. The way we analyze the word of God is we study the word and we study it through exegesis. So eisegesis is when you formulate your own opinion about the word of God. Exegesis is when you look at the word and you read it to be exactly what it is. And you analyze it through hermeneutics. So you're going to analyze it and say, okay, this is A, B, and C. And that's what happened. You can give an example to A, B, and C. But you don't, you don't want to guess, oh, well, what could have happened with Cain? Did Cain go buy a house or a village? Where was Cain living at? Did he have blue eyes? Was his hair gray? Or did he grow, did, did his hair turn red? Since he was condemned, did he have blue eyes or red eyes? See, that's considered eisegesis. We don't look into the word that way. That is not the way we do it because we don't formulate our opinion about what we think. It's, it's like going into a fantasy la-la land. We don't do that type of stuff. So that's probing outside of the word of God. We're going to stick to what's in the word of God. So you just have to understand that when you can perceive and you can see, you can perceive what God is saying. You can hear what he is saying. You don't need to go nowhere else. You get, you get it right here. Because the mind of Christ tells you what those other doctrines are. You don't even have to read it. The spirit of God tells you, oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm telling you now who wrote it. Before you even, before you even entertain a thought, somebody said, it's like, oh, the Holy Spirit. That was the Roman Catholics who were present. The religious Pharisees also who added to it. So it's like, okay. 
I don't even, I know. The Holy Spirit has given me what? Discernment. So you you know, like we have the opportunity to perceive and and through God's eyes. And we can hear and understand through God's ears. You just have to ask God to allow you to see and perceive. You have to ask God, allow you to hear and understand. Otherwise, you're not going to know. And you're not going to be forgiven for not knowing. Because you had the opportunity to ask God. Even if you can't speak with your mouth, you could think. You you have a mind, right? So we 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 have the ability to communicate with God. God gives everybody the ability to communicate with him. Now, if you reject him, that's on you. And his children are not going to force you to follow him either. Most of the time, then nobody even want to deal with nobody that don't want to listen to God. It's like, okay, God, well, you know, I tried to talk to them. It's like, yes, we care about their soul, but they act like they want to jump on, beat us up on top of our head if we say something else to them about God. So it's like, okay, there you go. Keep it moving. Have a good day. I'll pray for you now. Nobody wants to argue and debate over what's true and real. And it's like, okay, Romans 1 and 20, do not be deceived for God's invisible qualities has been clearly seen. So people are without excuse. Romans 1 and 20, you're without excuse. So otherwise, like here in um here in, 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 in Mark 4, we see that in this last verse in verse 11 uh verse 12 i'm sorry verse 12 otherwise that might, might turn and be forgiven so they can see but they they don't never perceive they they hear but they never understand otherwise they might turn and be forgiven so the way i communicate usually is like when i'm communicating with people i don't um if i don't understand what you're saying i'm always ask you to please explain your thoughts to me so that I can understand your mind. It doesn't matter how many academic degrees I have. I want to understand your mind. Do I need to understand everything? No. So I won't ask. Some people will be mad at me. Well, why, why didn't you ask me? Oh, I didn't want to know. I didn't. There are a lot of stuff that I won't ask. I will not ask certain questions. I do not do not tell me. I don't want to know. I just pray for you. You want to pray? Um. So, so that's that there. So, um, we need to be able to read and understand what the Bible is telling us. And the way that we do that is we have to pray. And so, going back to this scripture, um, I'm, I'm going to take this off. So I, I really like that reflection of what um, Elon Musk said. And like I said, he's a very uh, intriguing type of person, I, I would say. And a lot of things that he says is um, it's quite interesting, I would say, too. Uh, but 
let's look at um Matthew 13 and 14. And then I want to show you all of a short video. It isn't too long. And it's actually very, very interesting. Okay. Um, so Matthew 13 and 14, it says, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. And you see when you, okay, so that's what I meant to explain. I'm, I apologize. So we have in the Old Testament, the first five books in the Bible is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And um, that is the law. That's the law. Okay, it's the Torah. The first five books of the Bible, that's the law. That's where we're going to find the law of God. But see, the law couldn't give us salvation. So many times when you see all of these sin offerings and these, uh, you know, like just offerings at the altar, the atonement of sin offerings and all of these different things, that did not bring salvation because people were still having evil in their hearts. So we, we can't be saved just because of the Torah or the law. So when I talked about the religious Pharisees, and I know I'm kind of shifting back towards this. I didn't actually close this part out. Um, and I'm learning how to, you know, structure the conversations that I'm having. Um, but when we looked at the, the religious Pharisee and how God, uh, how Jesus was criticizing them, and we see that, you know, Jesus talked about how they, the prophets of their ancestors, they, they were killed and they did a lot of different stuff. And so we see this in Matthew chapter 23. But when Jesus says for us to do as they say, but do not do what they do for, they do not practice what they teach preach. So we, yes, we can still listen or oh, bad bad parts of the law but the law doesn't provide us salvation this the the with jesus christ dying on the cross for us that's called a sacrificial death so a sacrificial death is is basically saying uh he sacrificed his life but they call it instead of saying sacrifice his life they just simply say sacrificial death it means the same thing but see, you know, the the issue is in society is some words that um can, you know, create disparities too. the language like English is a language. It doesn't measure your level of intelligence. Right. So it's really about how you comprehend things. So some words are used in a way where some people don't understand those words. And some people be like, well, sacrificial. I understand that. But you understand it. But you can't assume that everyone else will. So if I say, uh, if I say tyranny, if I say tyranny, do everybody know what that means? They don't. So we're not going to use language where we're going to disallow other people from not understanding it. I like to use inclusive language. So I'm going to say Jesus sacrificed on the cross instead of saying sacrificial death. And so it's important to understand that we get salvation through Christ right it's by grace our faith gives us grace with god that grace is something that allows us to have access to jesus 
and we have access to the salvation that uh, that Jesus did when he died and sacrificed himself on the cross. So the law doesn't set us free. This is why Paul talks. So, so Paul actually wrote 13 books of the New Testament. So this is why you have so many people, the religious Pharisees specifically, many of them, they don't like the New Testament. So they, they all, a lot of them say, well, the, the Hebrew Bible, the best life to find. Um, thank you for joining me. So the so you have a lot of religious Pharisees who really focus on the Hebrew Bible. They only look at the Old Testament. You you have a lot of religious people that say, I'm a I'm an old testament type of person. And then you have some people, I'm a New Testament type of person. Actually, look, the Bible is God. Because John 1 and 1 says what? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word is God. Okay? Simple as that. The Old and New Testament. So, there is no like, okay, I'm going to take this part and I don't like that part. So, I'm going to listen. I'm going to believe this part. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that it's not real. So, it's important to understand that when God is speaking to you, you need to try to understand it. So, like I talked about slavery and I talked about how we have modern day slavery, American slavery compared to what slavery used to be. Slavery in the old, in the, in the Bible taught, this is a debt slavery where people owe debts. Those people could be free at any time they wanted to. So like, you know, you always, there's always going to be radicals in every religion. You have the people that are the Ku Klux Klan, for instance, in Christianity, they try to manipulate the word of God to their advantage. But guess what? They are similar to the religious Pharisees. Guess what? They are under a curse. Because the Bible tells us here, right there in uh, Matthew and Matthew 23. It tells us right there. They're blind guides. Also, we look at this verse um, and, it, and it tells us as a result, they will be held responsible for the murder of all ungodly people of all time. Their judgment is going to be great. So, you know, like you, you don't you don't manipulate the word of God to justify your means to an end. We can't do those type of things. Those things are unethical. God does not want us doing that, doing those type of things. So um, when we look at the New Testament, we have the four first books of the Bible, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are considered the Gospels. And we see where Jesus was like living his life. We, we can learn about Jesus, the life of Jesus. So um, Paul, Paul wrote about, uh, Paul wrote, 13 books. Actually, it is believed that he also wrote 14 books of the, the New Testament. But what's really important to understand is, is that, um, see, God speaks to us through his word. The Bible is inspired by God. So if you want to understand what God is saying, you got to be inspired by God. Let God inspire your eyes so that you can perceive. Let, let, let you be inspired to understand 
and let you perceive. That's so important. So let's look. I want to look at this video. And this is a nice video by um, Brian Tracy. So Brian Tracy, he is basically a successful um, audio author. And he is also a business success uh like success coach he's a business success leader um he is very effective in managerial um a business he it implements a lot of business strategies for individuals he empowers people through powerful uh proven ideas and different strategies right and so i wanted to look at this video um that he created it's called how to turn a negative situation into a positive one his name is brian tracy okay please do subscribe he has great videos um and so i'm gonna just play this video it's about six minutes long so um i'm just gonna listen to it and i'll do some commentating afterwards in the meantime if you have any questions please go ahead and put them in the chat and i'll look at them and i'll see them there okay strategies for turning a negative situation into a positive one. This is a wonderful subject that I spent more than 4,000 hours studying and what I've discovered is that negative emotions are the single biggest enemy that any of us have throughout life. If we had no negative emotions, our lives would be wonderful, as would be our relationships, our health and everything else. So therefore, the great business of life is to eliminate negative emotions. Wow, when I discovered this, it changed my life and my thinking forever. So to solve this, to eliminate negative emotions, we have to answer the question, where do negative emotions come from? Almost all negative emotions depend on blaming someone or something else for negative situations that happen in your life. The problem here then is that People hold on to those negative emotions, even if they cannot change the outcome, what has happened, and they're still angry about it, they hold on to the negative emotion. So the key to eliminating negative emotions is this. Take responsibility for yourself, your reactions, and your responses. I couldn't believe that the difference between happiness and unhappiness was something so simple as just taking responsibility. You see, you cannot take responsibility for your life, your situation, and your reactions, and be negative at the same time. Your mind can only focus on one thought at a time, positive or negative. So anytime you feel negative, say to yourself over and over again, I am responsible. I am responsible. I am responsible. Now, you might be thinking right now, but Brian, I'm in a situation involving other people. How can I re be responsible for what they did? Here's how. In every situation, whether it involves you directly or not, you are always at least partially responsible for what happened. You got yourself into the situation or, or the job or the relationship. 
You stayed in the situation, even though you knew there was something wrong with it. You did or said certain things in the situation, so you're not completely innocent. You at least had something to do with it. Here's another possibility. Let's say you had nothing to do with a negative situation. Maybe you weren't involved in it at all. Maybe somebody ran into a car in the parking lot, ran into your car. You're not responsible or accountable or anything else, but you're still responsible for how you respond to it. Do you shout and get angry and trouble death heaven with your bootless cries, as Shakespeare said, or you take a deep breath, just stay calm. This is what is called your response ability. It is your ability to respond in a positive way, and it largely determines your success and happiness in life. And again, to respond in a positive way, you simply repeat to yourself whenever you feel negative for any reason, wait a minute, I am responsible. I am responsible. The truth is, nobody can make you feel negative other than you by the way you choose to think about the situation. If you think about things that make you feel angry or unhappy, you're going to feel negative automatically. If you think about things that make you happy and excited about your life, you'll automatically feel positive. The most important thing to remember about negative emotions is this. You have complete control over the way you feel, over the way you respond to any situation, and over the things you think about at any minute of the day. Exercise your ability to respond positively. Take responsibility for your role in negative situations and allow yourself to let go of negative feelings that might be trapped inside of you because of things that happened in the past that you cannot change. Before we wrap up, I'd like to leave you with a thought to share with your friends and followers. Here it is. Accept complete responsibility for every part of your life. Refuse to blame others or to make excuses. Those are my strategies for turning a negative situation into a positive one. If you haven't seen my other videos on achieving peace of mind and improving your position in life, take a look. Now, I'd love to hear from you. So my question today is, which recent negative situation in your life can you turn from negative to positive by accepting responsibility? Leave a comment below and I'll be sure to follow up with you. For more resources on how to improve your quality of life, visit my website, www.briantracy.com. Thanks for watching. Remember, if you want to change your future, take action and take action now. If you enjoyed this video and feel it was valuable for teaching you how to change a negative situation into a positive one, subscribe to my channel and share this video with your friends or anyone else who might benefit from this information. Okay, so that was so interesting, right? Um, couple of there are quite a few things here that i want to talk about um first things first he said take responsibility for every part of your life that means that is so so important that is so important so let me look at let's look at this scripture here um uh, 
since I'm talking about this is on the um the the blog the part that says think about the negative things only as a reminder of how far God has brought you. So let's look at some of these scriptures here. So we're gonna look at um I don't know why it's not letting me click on it. Why well, that's loading? Uh, so we need to take responsibility for every part of our life. When we accept responsibility, we basically accept every single thing that we go through. This allows us to take ownership and it also allows us to take accountability. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in taking ownership and taking accountability and having accountability. That's so important for me um, because taking ownership and accountability allows you to strengthen your qualities and of who you are as a person. And it's always about making sure that what's internally inside of you is correct before you can externalize those great qualities. So if what's in you what, remember what the Bible says, it's not what you eat that defiles you. It's what's in your heart, spoken out of your mouth, that defile you. So what's in you is going to come out. So if you're internally unclean, you're going to externalize that negativity to other people. So if you're internally a good person and clean and strengthened and powerful, on the inside, you're going to be able to externalize that. Excuse me. So the way that I, I try to be encouraging every single day, every single day now, every single day, because this is something that God wants me to do. So we need to be responsible for how we respond to people so like what the next well the next thing he said you need to take partial responsibility is yours like even if you're saying that it's someone else's fault you still got to take partial responsibility but like i kind of agree with that but really in actuality I, I always say like the entire situation is my fault because i don't like blaming other people so my life and my choices and my decisions, it's my fault. So like, yes, I, I have been a victim, but I don't react as a victim. I don't live my life as a victim, right? Because I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not a victim. So I have been a victim, right? I've been a victim of robbery. I've been a, a victim of kidnap. I've been a victim of all types of things, but I don't react as a victim in my life. So it's so important to understand that we have a, a duty and the responsibility to maintain the things that God wants for us in our life. And the way that we do that is we have to make sure that we focus on the things that God wants for us. Taking ownership and accountability requires you to internalize the improvements that you need. Quit blaming other people. Yes, I was a victim, but I don't walk around reacting as a victim. I walk with authority. 
I speak with authority. My life, I act, everything about my personality, I have authority. I have the authority of Christ. I have the authority of God living on the inside of me. I am like God. I am not God. I am like, I'm his child. I was created in the likeness of God and his image. I am like God. And so we are supposed to utilize the power that God has given us. Through the Holy Spirit. So you don't walk around feeling defeated. So yes. Okay. When like for instance. I went through a lot of situations in my life. But I don't blame nobody. I don't blame anyone if, if my car break down. I don't blame anyone for not being able to help me. Oh you can't help me. I know you got it. I don't blame nobody for nothing. Because it's my responsibility as an adult. To make sure that I have what I need. It's my responsibility to get on my knees and pray to God. And to ask him for the things that I need. It's my responsibility for me to maintain my relationship with God. It's my responsibility to make sure that I can do what I need to do. It's no one else's. So just because if someone says no or they can't do this or they can't help or, you know, this happened and all of these things happen, it doesn't mean that it's their fault. It's your responsibility. That relationship you chose to stay in, that was your responsibility to leave. It was your responsibility to let go. It was all of your responsibility. So that's, that's so important. We have to make sure that we are maintaining our responsibilities and the things that God wants us to do. So he also said, you know, re refuse to blame others or make excuses. Don't quit blaming other people for what's going on in your life. Oh, you know, well, this person, they, they didn't cut up all the jobs. Nobody can't get no job. If they don't have a job, then go volunteer. Gain some experience volunteering and then apply there. We're not going to make no excuses. For nothing that's going on in our life. Nothing at all. So we don't need to blame other people. Okay, yes, they did it. Yes, they was wrong. Yes, the government is bogus. Yes, all these people. Guess what? So what? So what? What, what does that mean? It is meaningless. To be aware is important. Yes, awareness is great. But just because you are aware of something and you're not doing anything about it to improve your life, what does it mean? It's meaningless. It's a lot of people that know that they're supposed to brush their teeth every single day, but they don't brush their teeth every day. There are people that know that they need to take a shower every single day, but they do not take a shower every single day. I'm in the house every day. I take a shower every day or a bath every single day. I brush my teeth every single day. Even though I'm not going nowhere. And I dress up even sometimes if I'm not going nowhere, I'm still going to put on clothes and take a bath and, and, and brush my teeth. Take care of my oral hygiene. 
So it's important. I'm going to still clean up every single day too. I don't want dust accumulating. So just because we become aware of something, it doesn't equate to you being able to implement powerful moves in your life. You need to have a mind of Christ in order for you to do what's needed. You want to be able to perceive what's going on and understand what's going on in this world. It's too much going on for you not to understand. So, in order for us to do what we need to do, let's just focus on what needs to be done. And that is, we're going to take ownership. We're going to take accountability for our actions, regardless of whatever negativity or negative situation that we've experienced in our life. We keeping God in our journey. So I wanted to look at. Um, I wanted to go over some things. In Psych Central. So this is basically like Psychology Central. Um, they they have an article. That was medically reviewed. Medically reviewed by Danielle Wade. Which is a licensed clinical social worker. And also by Marissa Moore. Okay. Um, this is an article that was published July of 2022. It The title is, When You Can't Stop Seeing the Negative in Everything. When You Can't Stop Seeing the Negative in Everything. And so it talks about how life can be so overwhelming where it feel like you just can't catch a break. So you need to practice gratitude. Um, I already talked about that yesterday, having gratitude and appreciating life. Okay, appreciating the things that you do have and creating more positive experiences with the people that are within your network. So we all have had some challenging thoughts and we've all had thoughts that was not always positive we probably have we we think so much like the people our minds our thoughts i don't i forget how many thoughts we have on the average how many it's like thousands of thoughts that people think every single day so we have thoughts that sometimes challenge our um interest intrinsic good qualities right so sometimes these thoughts can, some people have negative thoughts that can lead to mental health problems. They also can lead to them feeling bad. Um, they, it can also make them feel hopeless or feel with despair. They can, um, it, it can change their entire mindset, your thoughts. So this is from a licensed clinical social worker. So we're going to look at it from the perspective of their social work. All right. Um, that's the way that they're going to explain it here. But I want you all to keep in mind that God said not to be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So each and every day we need to renew our mind. Every day our mind needs to be renewed every single day. We need to be focusing on renewal renewal well what else can i improve in my life what else can i do to empower my life god what else is it that i can do to become a better and a great greater person than i am today so 
keep in mind that your thoughts, I've always said this pretty much on every single podcast, that everything starts with a thought. So your thoughts are, are going to impact your mind. Your mind is going to influence your behavior and your reactions. It's all about your behavior and your reactions. Sometimes our emotions um, really, really can play, uh, uh, really can influence our behaviors. And that's irrefutable, right? Emotions influence behavior, period. So no one can contest that at all, right? So we need to make, we need to see that, um, that if we practice mindfulness, that means some, we, we change our patterns of the way that we are, um, you know, I'm trying to see, change our patterns of our thinking, patterns of behavior. And sometimes it's not going to be easy to do because guess what? Change isn't something that's always embraced. People don't like just like change like that. I remember when the microwaves came out, everybody wanted a microwave and some people didn't want a microwave. Like for instance, I don't have a microwave. I haven't had a microwave in about five, six years. Microwaves for me doesn't work. I don't want all of that radiation in my food. And so, and that is specifically because I know someone that passed away from radiation, from eating all of their food in the microwave for years, constantly. Everything is warmed in the microwave, everything. And so that's what I was told. That person passed away from eating all of their food in the microwave. Now, would that be the same case for everyone? Probably not. But do I want to contribute to my lifestyle being unhealthy? Absolutely not. So I don't have a microwave. My kids get upset with me. I'll be like, uh-uh, put that in the oven. Rewarm it up. Recook it. It's about, you know, like our world is so centered on Everything has to be convenience. We are living in a society where everybody wants to be convenience. Everything is about convenience of this. It's the convenience of driving. Now, I can just have the car drive me. It, you know, like, it's the, everything is convenient. No one wants to do, like, any hard work anymore. They just want everything given to them. It's like, okay, so... Society is changing. So we need to be able to change some of our patterns of behavior. And, and like I said, this isn't always done with, you know, assurance. People are not like assured. Uh, they don't have assurance in making this change immediately. So you have to be able to really sit back and say, okay, I'm going to be mindful of the patterns of my behavior, the patterns of my thinking. That's thank you so much for the love. I really do appreciate that. So we we have to be mindful of the patterns of our thinking that is causing us to behave in certain ways, right? 
So they had did a study and they found that mindfulness practice as a standalone or enhanced through meditation help reduce symptoms of depression and anxiety, like worry and rumination. And so there are many ways to practice um, basically uh, mindfulness. What they want you to do is practice, consider pausing, taking in your surroundings. Um, they want you to set aside time for regular meditation habit. And I wouldn't call it meditation habits. I would just, it is a form of meditation if you're reading the Bible. So you, we should study and meditate on the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. So we need to be studying and meditating on the word of God. Even though this, you know, article isn't specifically saying that. It's just saying, you know, set your environment up where you can have regular meditation habits. It isn't specific, but it should be specific. Because you don't want to sit there. Your meditation habit is let me smoke a blunt. What a weed at? What a drink. Pour me some wine. Give me a cup. That's, that's, oh, no, no, no. We're not having no wine party, ladies, okay? The, what, we're going to meditate on the word of God. We're going to have a strong concordance. Let's get our Bibles out. We equipped with the word. This is the way I used to do when I used to go to church when I was young. I would have Bible study at my house. We studied the strong concordance and we had the Bible. And we would do fasting, like yogurt fasting. Salad fasting, water fasting. And so it was a it was important to change our habits from, you know, like, okay, well, we wasn't at first we wasn't fasting. And then I'm like, we should fast at least once a week. So that like we we have our um Bible studies on Wednesdays. We're gonna fast Tuesday and Wednesday. All day Wednesday on into Thursday. So we're going to do this every single week. So it's just creating new patterns of behavior. And that's what I did with members of my church, with my grandmother. She was always included in every single thing in my life. She was my mentor. She was my coach. She was like my teacher. So, you know, like... Oh, that's what I wanted to mention. So yesterday I had attended the um I had attended the meeting with Marshall Goldsmith and he talked about being coachable. It was a launch party to the book uh being coachable. And so the number one key takeaway was being coachable is a life skill. And I thought that that was really interesting because when we think about being coachable itself we need to be able to understand that we do need to be open to change but we don't just let everyone pour into our life all right so when it comes to my grandmother she she was my coach and she was my mentor because she did not have negative motives for me there are some people that have, you got to analyze the motive. You have to pray to God. God, show me their motive. What's their motive? What's their anger with me? You know, you got to be able to 
have hope in what some of the things that people say. Like I had an accountability agent at school where all she did every single day at the top of the morning. What are you writing on today? What are you writing? What are you researching? Just every single day, every single day, nonstop. Just, okay, what are your writing goals? What are you researching? What, what are you doing today? Accountability agents is completely focused on what you're writing. What are you researching? That was like, okay, this is what I'm working on. I'm running on three chapters. I'm only going to write this. I'm probably going to write 15 pages. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I mean, it was very lucrative, but I'm very, I'm a pretty disciplined person. Um, but that wasn't, that, that wasn't the type of relationship that it required a lot of my, uh, you know, like dependence uh, on. So when we are listening to people, we can't just let people pour into your, your life that don't have a good motive. Everybody don't want to see you happy. Everybody don't want to see you shine. And some people think they know what they talking about and they don't even know what they talking about. It's because they're deceived. Quit listening to people that get you deceived. Let me explain something to you. One of my friends, my one of my friends uh in Chicago. And and this was a very sad story. Um, this was somebody that I was very close to, actually. And so, um, they went out and was listening to one of their family members and ended up, like, trying to rob somebody and got killed. They was murdered. So, their family member tried to put them on to somebody to rob, but I guess the person that they were trying to rob went back and shot them and he got killed and so like when i heard about that that was like i was astonished by it, it was so sad i was so shocked because now it's like now it's, it's like he not only gone but now their family are separated because he was listening to one of his relatives. See, that's, that's bad. That's the thing. We as a people in the society, you can't listen to what some people are saying to you. Those people can get you killed. Those, some, some people some people you go and you, and you think that you could go work a certain job now you didn't quit your job to go work somewhere else and now guess what you didn't get fired they were setting you up to do that from the start so you don't you don't leave something that god has given you balance god has allowed your life to be judicious and balanced and now you're going off on the deep end See, everything happens for a reason. God wants us to practice mindfulness. Understand, you can't just allow people, anybody, to pour into your life. You don't meditate on that type of stuff. You have to meditate on the word of God. You have to start seeing things 
from the way God sees them? What do you think God will say? What do you think God is trying to tell you? What from your negative experience, what is God trying to teach you in this situation? What is God trying to teach you with this person that you know? Because if you're not absorbing what you need to learn, you're going to repeat it. I'm going to say it again. If you don't absorb what you need to learn, you are going to repeat the same situation. It's just, it might be with a different person. That's it. Other than that, you're going to recycle your mistakes if you don't learn what you need to learn. So really what I tell God, this is what I tell God now. God, what are you trying to show me? Please tell me now. I don't want to repeat it, Lord. I don't want to repeat the situation. Please tell me, God. Show me what I need to see. In this situation, Lord. See, because when you begin to understand God, it's like, well, wait, wait, wait what, uh, uh, what did I learn from that experience? Because it was an experience. I need to figure out what I need, what I'm, what am I missing? You need to be learning something from every experience that impact your life. And that's the truth. I don't care what it is. If you went to work, you, you were supposed to learn a new skill. You didn't. Why? What's going on with your thinking? You need to learn from something. What, what, otherwise, you're going to repeat it. And then it might set you back. So I'm, I'm just being very honest about this here. Okay. So we need to be mindful that God wants us not to be set back, but for us to be so willing to learn from things that we become... We become so qualified at learning. It becomes a habit. You're learning through your experience. You're learning through this situation. This is a habit for you. Consider pausing sometimes. So let's look at the next thing. Um, and that was a lot of reflection that I added to this. But, you know, like you can go and read this article too. Okay, it's on Psych Central. Um, but the second one is identify cognitive distortions. So this is basically like your reflection, right? And I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about what the article is talking about. But I like to deflect for a minute. Okay, let's go to this scripture. Um, I want to go to, let's go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your body your own body don't you realize that your body is the temple of the holy spirit who lives in you and was given to you by god you do not belong to yourself for god bought you with a high price so you must honor god with your body so what this tells me is that fornication 
is defiling my body in a way where it does not allow me to honor God. That means that when you have sexual sin, you are being disrespectful to God. You're saying, God, forget you. You saying all of these things to God. You're not honoring him. If you don't honor God, you don't respect God. So it's like, okay, you could just do whatever you want to do with your body. It's like, it's like saying, okay, well, you might as well just go out and just go sleep with whoever it is you want to go sleep with. And let me put this in perspective. It's just like you going out here and just selling your body. Because if God, God bought you with a price. So when you go do what you want, that means you selling yourself to sin. You're giving your desires authority over your life. The desires is now becoming what? Your payment. You paying it forward with sin. And we, we shouldn't be doing that. It's like, and, and it's it's not like you you're you're actually going to not have desires. We all have desires, but it's about how you feel about it. When you start having these sexual desires, like I talked about a couple weeks ago, like I was having a sexual desire. And and before I start talking about this again, I want to make sure that everybody knows that because I see it's about eight hundred and um eight hundred twenty some eight hundred thirty people in here. So I want to make sure that everyone understand that this is for mature audiences. Mature audiences, okay? So when I talked about a few weeks ago, I talked about how sexual immorality, the, the, the sex that I was thinking about, it almost felt like I was having a sexual withdrawal. My body was craving sex. It was it was wanting to fulfill the desires of sex so much that it almost felt like my body was internally hurting. It almost felt similar to stopping smoking cigarettes when I was smoking. So it, it felt like a withdrawal symptom. Because sometimes your desires would tell you, look, I need to be fulfilled. Fulfill me. And it's just like if you were, it's just like if you um doing things like um that you know you shouldn't be doing. It's like, so for me, I don't believe in like I've never really I've never like uh really sexually satisfied myself i'm not into that so that's another form of sin that is an addictive addictive type of sin so any type of sexual sin is disrespectful to god and it was like i was battling these desires that was within me but then when I look, when you go to the Bible, let's go to this scripture. I want to go to, um, I want to go to, uh, hold on a second. I'm going to go to this scripture.
It should be in the book of James. Oh, it's in the um is it Colossians? I thought it was I actually thought that this was gonna be in the book of James. Hold on, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go here. It's so go to Colossians. I'm sorry, go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 through 12. But then we're gonna we're also gonna go um We're going to go to James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15. So these two different verses. And only got a few more minutes here. So I don't really want to rush through it. Um, so in Colossians 3, verses 5 through 12, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbarian. Uh, Scythian. Uh, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore as God's chosen people. Holy and dearly love it. Clothe yourselves with compassion. Kindness. Humility gentleness and patience and so what this is saying is look we are created in the image of god your old life don't have nothing to do with your new life so if you craving a sex you gotta let that go and let god enter into your heart it's like you have to meditate on the word you gotta call upon the name of the lord and he will hear you and he will allow you to overcome whatever it is that you're feeling whatever it is that you're desiring we see that some people may not, it might not be sexual sin. It might be uh, impurity. So impurity is the what opposite of pure. So, it, you know, you can't be connected with God if you impure. You unclean. Then you out here lusting, you looking at everything. Then you opening yourself up for all type of stuff with that. All type of spirits to come into your life. All type of thoughts to enter into your mind. Because when you have a, a soul tag with one woman, you're going to have soul ties with all these other different men that she was with. So imagine all them thoughts from different spirits that's going to enter into your mind. Don't open the door for them type of soul ties to come into your life or to open up the doorway to different realms spiritual realms because your decision opens up doors you either going to have authorization to access that realm or you're not going to have authorization we need authorization from the holy spirit to be accessing these spiritual realms so you got to look at things from a perspective that is from a spiritual perspective remember what i said about that perception and understanding things so, like, 
like other people, it may not just be lust. It could just be evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. They're idolizing this money. They're idolizing, oh, so I have this. I can have anything I want. You can't have anything you want because you can't get everything you want. There are rich people right now that are rich. They cannot spend the money in their entire life. You know how many rich people probably want a television station? They have the money to do it. Why do you think they won't do it? Because they're not allowed to. You know, because of the other greedy people that they have to compete with. It's like, no, no, no. We don't want to overwhelm the world. If you have 5,000 news stations, then no one's going to want to watch TV after that. You're not allowed to buy a, a, a news station. Bill Cosby did it. He tried to buy NBC. He went to jail after that, right? Talking about something he did 30 years ago. Now, I'm not saying that he was innocent, but I'm just saying, you know, he, he tried to deter too far into what he could do. You can't go around talking about you're just going to buy up a, a TV station. You know how many millionaires got the money to buy TV stations? They don't allow that. Clearly. See, but when you're thinking from the perspective of a secular perspective, you're not going to see in the spiritual realm. Then in the way that you access these realms is through the authorization of the Holy Spirit. Because if you're accessing, you're, you're looking at things from a perspective of what she's telling you or what he's telling you. Don't be deceived. Because they deceived in their life. Your life is headed in a different way. So we have to focus on the life that God has for us. And so like, for instance, we see that greed is idolatry in this verse evil desires and greed which is idolatry they're idolizing what they can't do so the more money they have the more money to this and that it's always going to be more and more and more and more of it so that the, the wrath of god come on those people so we see that let's go to um this one last scripture and i'm gonna end tonight on this one so in james 1 james chapter 1 Verse 13 through 15, it says, when you are tempted to do wrong, do not say God is tempting me. God cannot be tempted. He would never tempt anyone. A man is tempted to do wrong when he lets himself be led by what his bad thoughts tell him to do. When he does what his bad thoughts tell him to do, he sins. When sin completes its work, it brings death. So that's the new life version. I, that, that was another lady that was reading the new life version. I kind of like that version a little bit. But I really like to look at the Bible from a lot of different versions. But I'm going to go to the original uh, King James. Um, and we're going to read this again. So let no man say this James 1 chapter 13. I'm sorry, James chapter 1 verse 13 through 15. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted, neither tempted it. I'm sorry, <laughs> neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted. When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. 
Then when lust had conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So that's the King James Bible. I want to look at the, um, let's look at the New Living Translation on that. And remember, this James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So one more, one more translation. One more, one more. Let's look at the uh, New International Version, the NIV. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So we see God don't tempt us. So whatever you're going through in your life, whatever experience, whatever heart pain, whatever it is, we have to let go of these desires because God is not tempting you. God is not tempting us. God does not do that. We have these desires. We have a desire to believe a lie. When somebody is lying to you, God could be telling you. Some people say, well, my first man told me not to do it. No, no, no. That wasn't your first mind. That was G. That was the spirit of God talking to you. That was God. It wasn't nothing else. It wasn't no first man, your intuition. You had a feeling. No, that was the Holy Spirit trying to tell you don't do it. So you have to understand that God speaks to us, but he doesn't tempt us. When we listen to lies or we listen to deceit, those things deceive you and have you doing the wrong type of stuff. Because that is what you want to believe. You want to believe a lie. You want to believe that he not going to hit you again. You want to believe that she not going to lie. You want to believe that he not going to cheat on you. But your first man, which is not your first man, it's the Holy Spirit talking to you. But you don't want to give credit to the Holy Spirit because you have a, a mind of deception around you. Because you're giving in to these desires of deceit. Because you're trying to believe lies instead of believing the truth. So deception is the surrounding your mind. Your eyes can't perceive. Your ears can't understand. So it's a spirit of deception that you're following. Right? So let me just go ahead and end on that note. All right. So let, I'll continue this on Thursday. I'm closed on Wednesday. I really appreciate you all for joining me tonight. Let me go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you right now for giving us your word. We ask that you allow us to...